0: so we're continuing through the first chapter of John hope everyone brought their Bibles with them we are in John chapter one today we're going to go through verses four through eighteen as I said last week that John is a uh, a deep book this is a deep chapter uh, it's been described as a, as I call last week a pool in which um, A child may wade and an elephant may swim, which shows the simplicity of the gospel as well as the depth of the gospel. Um, And we see that just in the very first verse of John chapter 1. So let's look at the very first verse of John chapter 1 again. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. We could paraphrase that. We could say, In the beginning was Jesus and Jesus was with God and Jesus was God. Jesus is God. Another way you could phrase that first verse is is before the beginning of the beginning was Jesus. And Jesus was with God the Father and Jesus is God. Right? God the son. And so there's a lot of declarations like right there in that first verse. There's like four declarations about Jesus just in that first verse of the Gospel of John, right? Jesus is the word. Jesus existed before anything else existed. All things, matter of fact, it tells us in verse three that all things were made through Jesus and without Jesus, nothing made that was made, which means nothing exists or was created unless it was done through Jesus, Jesus is with God, God the Father. Jesus is God, God the Son. I mean, there's there's just a ton of declarations concerning Jesus that are just here in the very beginning of chapter 1. Uh, I've never gone through and counted all the declarations, but the first 18 verses of John chapter 1 contain close to 40 declarations concerning Jesus. And it's foundational for us because... Everything that we're going to go through here in the first chapter, specifically those first 18 verses, are foundational for the whole rest of the book. And I'm not just talking about the seven different titles that we find in this chapter concerning Jesus. Those are on top of all the declarations that they state about Jesus just here in the first chapter. So let's read John chapter 1, verses 4 through 18. It says, In him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. John bore witness about him and cried out, This is he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. And for the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. And I pray, Lord, that... We will just take what we hear this morning and uh, apply it to our daily walk. That it will give us a foundation, an encouragement that it will draw us closer to you as we get a deeper understanding of who we are in Christ Jesus and who Christ Jesus is. So we pray, Lord, that you speak your words to us this morning. And they don't fall on deaf ears. I pray, Lord, that our ears and hearts are open to hearing your word. Understanding your word and applying it to our lives. I thank you, Lord, for this. In Jesus' name. Amen. What are the essentials for human life? Arguably, there's a lot. Right, We could probably make a very long list concerning what we need. However, we could probably narrow it down to as far as essentials are concerned, four. There's light, sunshine you could say, air, right? oxygen, you need oxygen to breathe, plants need oxygen to live, water, and food. Jesus is all of these things. As we go through the Gospel of John, you're going to see that. He's the light of the world. He's the, uh, the breath of life. He's the water of life. He's the living bread. Jesus is all of these things. As we go through, you'll see them. And we're not going to go over all these this morning, obviously. We'll touch on them as we go through the gospel. But this morning, we're going to be looking at light. Last week, we looked at the word. This morning, we're looking at the light. Another one of the titles of Jesus in the first chapter here. Now, just a really quick note before we continue on. Many of the titles and many of the declarations that we read in this first chapter of John re- are repeated throughout the entire gospel. Right? Almost everything John says here concerning Jesus in the, in the first chapter, Jesus says of himself later. For example, Jesus will say, I am the light of the world. Right? He says that in John chapter 8 and John chapter 9. So all that means is though, even though we're going to touch on them now, We'll be touching on them again later. A lot of what I will talk about this morning, we will talk about again later as we go through the Gospel of John. So, the light, right? It's the second of seven titles that G- John gives Jesus here in chapter one. Like I said, last week we started with the word logos, and now this week we have the light, right? And it's actually we have light and life These are the two things that are talked about in verse four here. And they're both words that John likes to use quite a bit. John uses the word life here in the Gospel of John 36 times. He uses the word light 24 times. Matter of fact, we just read the phrase, the light, here in those verses that we just read this morning. We just read that phrase six times, just there in those 14, 15 verses that we read. John loves the word light. Of all the usage of the word light in the New Testament, 73 times that it's used in the Greek in the New Testament, John himself uses it 42% of the time. So he is, is almost the one who just uses the word light the most in his letters. Now, the Greek word for light is phos. And that's it right there. Right, and that's the Greek word for light. And it literally means to shine or to make manifest, manifest makes, means to be made clear or obvious or to reflect when you go to like I said, John loves to use the idea of light and the idea of manifestation and uh, reflection and this type of thing. first John one two he says the life was made manifest, and we have seen it and testified to it, and proclaimed to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. Who is he talking about? He's talking about Jesus. He's saying the light was shown. It was manifested. It, It was made known to you. You saw it. You can testify to it. You can proclaim about the eternal life, the life that comes from the light, which is Jesus. Right, First John 4.9 In this the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. Again, he's talking about Jesus. He was saying he was made manifest. He was shown. He was, he was, he was made clear, obvious right, to you. Jesus is the light. Light in the ancient world. Light to the Greeks. Even light to the Jews was something to be sought after. Right? Light to the Greek represented a blessing from God. It warmed the skin, it enhanced vision, it removed the darkness where doubt and danger lurked. Right? There's that song by Jimmy Cliff, right? I can see clearly now the rain's gone. Right? I can't sing a lick, but that's what you get. Right? But that's the idea right, behind it. Right? Gone are the dark clouds that had me blind. It's going to be a bright, 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 sunshiny day. We like light. We like light. Because the greatest and darkest enemy to the ancient civilization, to the Greeks and to the Jews, was death. That was, and, and darkness represented, of course, death. So light represented life. And death was their greatest fear. So you have life and death as the, as the reality of the human experience as far as the Greeks and the Jews were concerned. And, and the warm glow of the one, which is life and light, Was embraced, while the cold darkness of the other death was feared. So, what John is telling them right here in the beginning of chapter one, right, right after he's already explained to them, understanding their idea behind the word, the Greek word logos, and and the Jewish idea of the word of God, which he is, which he's pointing them to Jesus. He's telling them, listen, the word logos, the word of God, Jesus, is the light. And in him is life. Right? The two things that you like, the two things that you seek after, the warmth and the and the beauty of the light and life. They're in Jesus. In him was life, as it tells us right there at the beginning of where we read in verse 4. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Right? In him, the word, Jesus, in Jesus, was life, and that life was the light for men. We like light. I mean, you like light. I mean, if you're honest about it. I'm pretty sure most of you like to be in a room with the lights on. If you're going to go out at night, you're going to have a light. Very seldom do we wander around in the darkness without a flashlight. Very seldom do you go drive at nighttime without turning on the headlights of your car, right? You like light. I mean, I prefer sunshine over darkness, though I don't prefer 90-degree weather. I prefer sunshine over darkness. I don't mind night. I'm not scared of it. Remember when you were small little kids, you know, possibly you were afraid of the dark. Sometimes you grow out of that. Sometimes you don't. Right? You wouldn't walk down the hallway to get to your bedroom because the light wasn't on. My grandparents, they lived in Bothell, and the downstairs of their house, it's not that far from here, we always thought was haunted. So when the kids were going to go downstairs and play, my grandparents were like, you guys got to go downstairs and play. One of us had to go down the stairs and turn the light switch on before the rest of the kids would go down there, and the one that had to go do that had, you know, had to be brave because you're like, it's dark, and you're walking down the stairs, and you wouldn't look around the corner. You would reach your hand around the corner, flip the light switch on, and then the lights would come on. Everyone would come down and play. Because you know? we scared of the dark. We prefer light, right? So I like lights. I like lights at night. I like city lights. Christmas lights. I love Christmas lights. You know when you come over to my house at Christmas. I like Christmas lights. Flashlights. I buy the kids flashlights all the time. I like light. We don't like being blind. I don't anyway. Right? Maybe, maybe you don't mind being blind. But I don't like being blind. We don't see too well in the dark without lights. Right? Without lights, we trip and stumble and fall. The Bible tells us this. Now, it's speaking spiritually. But in the dark, without a light, you're going to trip and stumble and fall. We run into things. We're scared by things in the dark when all we have is our imagination and a big shadow in front of us. Our mind makes up all kinds of scary ideas for us. Way back, many years ago now, when I was in high school, my friends, this was back when we lived out on the property, my friends would drop, not by friends, I mean Stephen. Who's, who's not here, but he's probably listening, would leave me at the bottom of our driveway. They wouldn't, he would not drive his car up the half mile to my house. And so I would have to walk up the driveway in the dark, which isn't generally a problem because I walked up the driveway a million times. I could probably walk up the driveway with my eyes closed. It wasn't that big of an issue, except when you're walking up the driveway at midnight or, you know late at night when it's really dark. Like I said, when you're left up to your own imaginations and all you have is shadows and it's dark, your mind makes up all kinds of things. One night I'm walking up the road and I see a shadow. It's on the road ahead of me. And it looks big and large and terrifying. And I have a pocket knife. So I take out my pocket knife so that whatever that is can laugh at me. And I just stand there looking at it, not sure exactly what to do when all of a sudden it just turns around and hops away. It was just a little bunny rabbit. Right? But little bunny rabbits at night <laughs> are big, scary creatures, right? Another time, I was walking up the road, and you know what a great blue heron is, right? And you know the wingspan of a great blue heron. There was a great blue heron in the creek. I was crossing the creek. I saw the shadow. I'm like, there is something over there. I stopped, and the great blue heron opened up its wings and flew off. right, my soul left my body (laughs) at that point. That's how frightening it was right? at midnight walking in the dark without if I had only had light. Right? It would have removed the darkness. It would have chased the shadows away. I wouldn't have had any issues walking up the road. What John is telling them right here at the beginning of the gospel, what he's, what he's proclaiming to them, what he's declaring about Jesus is actually a very encouraging and reassuring word. Right. He's saying that the logos, the glue... Right, the whole, that, that's how they looked at it, that's how the Greek looked at the word logos, at the word, right? The glue that holds everything together that brings reason out of chaos, right? Who's existed since before anything else existed and whom through everything else exists. He says, that is the light. And it's the light that removes the darkness, right? And in that light, in him, he says, obviously we know he's referring to Jesus. He says, you have life. The two things that you're really looking for. The two things that you embrace. Not what fears you. Right? It's not the cold, dark death which you fear. It's the light that brings life. Right? The life is the light of men. That light is Jesus. That's what he's telling them. It's a very encouraging and reassuring word to, to the Greeks and to the Jews. He's saying, it's not what you fear. It's not darkness. It's light. And in that light is life. It's Jesus, right? John 8, 12, Jesus himself says, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. That's what he's telling them. You guys love light. Well, the the light of men is Jesus. You want to walk in light, you want to walk and not be afraid of the dark, not be afraid of death. It's Jesus. Right? So light is a key theme here, right at the beginning of the Gospel of John, but also is life, the word life, because he says that life in him was life, and the life was the light of men. Now the Greek word for life here is zoe. And John is saying that the word, right, Greek logos... Jesus is who he's referring to, is the source of true life, which is zoe. But when he says life, and he uses the Greek word zoe, understand this. What he's talking about is true life. Right? And, and by true life, I mean the very fundamental truth of life. The principle of life, you could say. Which is a life in Christ Jesus. And he's not referring to just a biological life. Because that's a completely different Greek word. That's the Greek word bios. And in the Gospel of John, all the times that John speaks about life, he never once uses the Greek word bios. He always uses the Greek word zoe. And in all his writings in the New Testament, John only uses the Greek word bios twice, and it's both found in 1 John. And if you want to kind of understand what the difference is between the Greek word bios and the Greek word zoe, which is he is using here, because there's a lot of differences out there. You can, you can read you know 50 different definitions of it just by Googling it online. Not, not, they, they all might be similar, but they don't necessarily all agree with each other. Right. But if you want a biblical definition of the word bios as far as life is concerned from a biblical perspective, you, you go to John. You go to 1 John 2.16. And 1 John 2.16 says, For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life, that's the word bios, is not from the Father, but is from the world. That's your biblical definition of the word bios. Right? It's a prideful, fleshly, materialistic life. It's life. Okay? but it's not truly living because it's not a life in Christ Jesus. It's not true life. It's, it's a life where we exist just for ourselves. It's a life that if we live that way, we're never going to find true happiness. We're never going to be truly satisfied. And ultimately that life, a life, a bios, biological, that life is just a life that makes us yearn for a better life. which is zoe, which is the life in Christ Jesus. Now, I think one of the best ways to understand the two words is actually from C.S. Lewis. Because C.S. Lewis has a great description about the difference between zoe and bios. And instead of me you know, trying to just paraphrase it for you, I'm just going to read it. Right? So this is one of C.S. Lewis's best, best books. It's Mere Christianity. If you go to the end of Mere Christianity in section 4. On my book, it's on page 158. He gives us one of the best definitions so you can understand the difference between bios and zoe. It says a statue has the shape of a man but is not alive. In the same way, man has, and he says in a sense that I'm going to explain, the shape or likeness of God, but he has not got the kind of life God has. Let us take the first point, which is man's resemblance to God. Everything God has made has some likeness to himself. Space is like him in its hugeness, not that the greatness of space is the same kind of greatness as God's, but it is a sort of symbol of it or a translation of it into non-spiritual terms. Matter is like God in having energy, though again, of course, physical energy is a different kind of thing from the power of God. The vegetable world is like him because it's alive and he is the living God, but life in this biological sense is not the same as the life that there is in God. It is only kind of a symbol or a shadow of it. When we come onto the animals, we find other kinds of resemblances in addition to biological life. The intense activity and fertility of the insects, for example, is a first dim resemblance to the unceasing activity and the creativeness of God. In the higher mammals, we get the beginnings of instinctive affection. This is not the same thing as the love that exists in God, but it is like it. Rather, in the way that a picture drawn on a flat piece of paper can nevertheless be like a landscape. When we come to man, the highest of the animals, we get the completest resemblance to God which we know of. He, acts, he has in parentheses here something that you might find controversial. He says, there may be creatures in other worlds... Who are more like God than man is, but we do not know about them. That's right, we don't. Man not only lives, but loves and reasons. Biological life reaches its highest known level in man. But what man, in his natural condition, has not got is spiritual life. The higher and different sort of life that exists in God. God. We use the same word life for both, but if you thought that both, both must therefore be the same sort of thing, that would be thinking that the greatness of space and the greatness of God were the same sort of greatness. In reality, the difference between biological life and spiritual life is so important that I'm going to give them two distinct names. The biological sort which comes to us through nature and which, like everything else in nature, is always tending to run down and decay so that it can only be kept up by incessant subsidies from nature in the form of air, water, food, etc., is bios. The spiritual life which is in God from all eternity and which has made the whole natural universe is zoe. Bios has to be sure a certain has... Bios has, to be sure, a certain shadowy or symbolic resemblance to Zoe, but only the sort of resemblance there is between a photo and a place or a statue and a man. A man who changed from having Bios to having Zoe would have gone through as big of a change as a statue which changed from being a carved stone to being a real man. And that is precisely what Christianity is about. This world is a great sculptor's shop. We are the statues, and there is a rumor going around the shop that some of us are someday going to come to life. That's the definition between bios and zoe. Bios, in its natural, fleshly form, leads us to zoe, in which we find true life. And that's the life we find in Christ Jesus. So bios is your physical, natural flesh. But zoe is spiritual life. It's eternal life in Christ Jesus. And John says that this life is found in the light. Or the word. Or Jesus. right? And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of the only Son of, from the Father, full of grace and truth, right? Jesus be- manifested, incarnation, right? His incarnation. He became flesh. The Word became flesh. He was here. He came. And that's where true life is found, through Jesus. So the light brings life. But what else do we learn about the light? Because that's not the only thing that we learn about the light. Right? Right in verse 5, the very next thing we learn the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. That's very important for you to understand for your walk in Christ. That the light cannot be overcome. It doesn't say it hasn't overcome it yet. When John wrote this, right, this is the last gospel to be written some 60 years after Christ's death, resurrection, and ascension. He's saying the darkness has not overcome the light even at this point. You can add to this, you can say the darkness will never overcome the light. Right? The dark, because God is light and in him is no darkness at all, as it tells us in 1 John 5. The darkness will never overcome the light. The darkness has not overcome it at the time that John r- wrote it. Some translations, say, translations will say "comprehend." Some translations might even say "understand." Whatever tra- whatever the translation says in that verse, in verse five in John, they're all applicable because this is the nature of light. And we see the idea of comprehend in the following verses here that we read through in First John. Right, we see that we read that John the Baptist came as a witness to the light. He came to bear witness about the light, right? So that all would believe. He was pointing people to Jesus. But it says that the Word, the light, came into the world. Yet the world did not know Him. It says that He came to His own, and His own did not receive Him. That's the idea of comp- they didn't comprehend. They didn't just comprehend. They 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 didn't. that idea in that Greek word for comprehend or overcome or whatever the translation is that you're reading, the idea is to, uh, one of the ways you can translate that word is to grasp hold of it, to take it for yourself, to make it personal. They didn't do that. Matter of fact, what they did is they rejected it. So they didn't comprehend it. They didn't make it their own. It says that they knew him not. It says that they rejected. There we go. Look at that. They rejected the light. They didn't comprehend it. They didn't take hold of it. They knew him not. John was pointing the way to Jesus, yet they rejected Jesus. Israel was blind to the truth concerning the word of God. Israel should have known. right? Because they were a people chosen by God. They're a nation formed by God. And to this day, they're a nation that's protected and blessed by God. And you would think they would have eyes wide open concerning the coming of the Messiah. They had the scriptures. But instead, they were blind. They rejected it. They didn't comprehend it. They didn't understand it, and they opposed it actually, because that's another translation of the word. Right? Why did they reject Jesus? Because it said they knew him not. Now they knew of him, right? You ask anybody at that time if you could walk around at the time of Jesus and ask them, right? Ask anybody at that time, hey, do you know that Jesus guy? They'd all been like, we know that Jesus guy. We've heard of him. We know the trouble he's causing. We know they knew of him, but they never took hold of him. They never made it personal. They didn't know him. They were blind. They couldn't comprehend him. You know what Jesus, you know what it says right here in verse 18, the very last verse that we read? It says, no one has ever seen God. The only God who was at the father's side, that's a reference to Jesus. So Jesus being God, He has made him known. Jesus has made God the Father known. So Jesus came into the world. The word became flesh. And he made God known to the people. Right? God incarnate. Hebrews tells us he's the exact representation of God. And yet they did not know him. They did not take grasp of him. They had eyes, but they couldn't see. They had ears, but they couldn't hear. They were blind. Jesus says, you search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life, but these are, are they which testify of me. But you're not willing to come to me that you can have life. It wasn't that they just didn't understand it. They actually opposed it. Right, Religious leaders specifically. They opposed it. They opposed the word. They opposed the light. They tried to overcome it. I mean, they crucified Christ. They put him on a cross. Yet Jesus rose from the dead. They couldn't overcome it. Darkness cannot overcome the light. He is the resurrection and the life, right? He defeated death. The light shines in the darkness. The darkness has not overcome it, right? And like I said, you can add to that, will not ever overcome it. And that's where life is. So when he, John is telling them that Jesus is the light and the life and the darkness can't overcome it, overcome it. What an encouraging word for them, because of what they fear so much concerning death. True light will never be overcome. Right, the gates of hell will never prevail. Now, one last thing before the last thing. Before the last thing, it says that, it, it says that in verse 9 that it's the true light the true light implies there's a false light for every true thing there's a false copy of it right and in my other job I work we see lots of false counterfeit items there's you know pretending to be an actual OEM part they're actually counterfeit Right? We see that type of thing. We get notices on it all the time. This is how you can tell the difference between what's counterfeit and what's real. Well, guess what? This is how you can tell the difference between what's counterfeit and what's real. Jesus is the true light, but true light, like I said, implies that there's a false light. Don't be content with copies. Accept only the original. The Antichrist is, is a counterfeit Christ. All the little antichrists that have come before the antichrist eventually comes are all counterfeit christs. They're just copies. Poor copies. Bad copies. False copies. They aren't the true light. They're a false light. Want to know the difference between a false light and the true light? Understand that God is light. In him is no darkness at all. Right? As it tells us. And Satan is the power of darkness. Satan now, the Bible tells us, that can make his servants appear as angels of light. Okay? So that to people, they may look like light. But they're a false light. So, true light exposes the fruitless deeds of the darkness. False light covers them up. True light shines into your life, exposes you for what you really are, exposes your sin, and shines on you the need for Jesus. False light isn't going to do that. False light wants to keep you in the darkness. Right? Listen, false light, true light, front and center in the news today. I don't probably even need to <laughs> give you examples. But it's front and center in the new state. True light brings conflict because the powers of darkness oppose it. Right? There are truths that people cannot comprehend or will not comprehend, refuse to comprehend, and ultimately will oppose, just as they did Jesus. So true light brings conflict, but true light exposes the deeds of the darkness. False light's going to cover it up. Right? What have we been talking about lately with the release of the, the, the movie The Sound of Freedom? Sex trafficking? With the release of the movie Sound of Freedom, there's been a lot of talk about how come people are trying to smear the movie. How come people are trying to label it a conspiracy theory? How come all these companies and all these mainstream media and all these people are trying to tell you, don't go see that movie? Yeah, You don't need to go see that movie. You know, Rolling Stone magazine called it like a movie for the, the, the brain-dead father or something like that. That was their review of the movie. Right? But you know the funny thing about that is, the ironic thing about that statement, is that when the, the movie, you know, one of the specific things about the movie is a raid they do on an island, and they rescue, in the movie it's 50 some odd kids they rescue from sex trafficking, in real life, it was like 150 kids they rescued from sex trafficking. When he actually did that rescue, in real life, they, they have all the footage because they all wore body cams. And, it was all, and they weren't just lone rangers. They were there with local law professionals and everything else. They have footage of the whole thing. right? It's very similar to what you see in the movie. But when they actually did that raid and rescued all those kids, however many years ago, that actually happened in, re- in real life. Rolling Stone wrote an article applauding them for rescuing the children off the island. And now, all these years later, when they finally get the movie released after four or five years of the, not, the company's trying to hide it and not willing to release the movie, Rolling Stone then turns around and writes an article and says, that's a movie for brain-dead followers. Right? False Light's going to try to cover up the darkness, and try to point you somewhere else. Look over there instead. Right? Cocaine in the White House, look over there instead. Nothing to look at here. Right? Corruption in the government, look over here instead. Nothing to look at here. True light exposes the fruitless deeds of the darkness, and the false light covers them up. Satan wants to keep people in the darkness. Because that means death. True light means life. Satan wants to keep people blind. It tells us this in 2 Corinthians. You don't have to take my word for it. You can read it in God's word. It says that the God of this world, which is Satan, has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. That's what Satan's doing. The first words that God said right after creation that you can find back in Genesis 1... He said, Let there be light. Right? And he saw that light was good. He saw, and he separated light from darkness. Now, you don't have to read into that too much. But I'm going to tell you that when you accept Jesus and you gave your life to Jesus, he did the exact same thing in your life personally. God did the same thing. You became a child of light. And he's separating light from darkness. 1 Peter 2.9 tells us that you're a chosen race, that you're a royal priesthood, you're a holy nation, you're a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into the light. It tells us in Ephesians 5, at one time you were darkness. That's where you were before Christ. When you were living a bios type of life, that's where you were. But now you are light in the Lord be hidden. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works. Glorify your Father who is in heaven. We are a witness to the light and we should bear witness about the light. We are sons of light. We are children of light. The early church was to be a light to the Gentiles. We are to be a light as well.